Hello. Before we start the show, we have another in our shout-outs for local businesses. This one again for Stroud in Gloucestershire. It is for the Master Cobbler in the Five Valley shopping area in the heart of Stroud. Engraving, key cutting and repairs are just part of what this local business does. I use it for replacing all my film watch batteries and glass engraving. Great service and many products there, including travel bags, cases and photo frames. The Master Cobbler in Stroud. Highly recommended. Welcome to the first of two Vox Pops specials where we talk to friends of the show and contributors about their favourite Christmas movies. These shows are a precursor to the At The Flicks Christmas film advent calendar. What a mouthful that is. Although listening to some of the excellent choices here, we almost changed our mind. In today's show, Joe Durrant from the BBC and creator of Joe Durrant's Beautiful Universe podcast, which is all things science and art. Then we have regular contributor from the States, Elijah, and Rich from the Cinematic Nerds podcast. Let's firstly talk to Joe about her love of Christmas. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? Good. Thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you for joining us in this pre-festive ramble as we talk to people about their favourite Christmas films, and sometimes they're not so favourite films. But let's start on the upbeat, because we need all the upbeat we can get this year. Mm. And um, please tell us about some of your favourite Christmas films. Okay, so my all-time favourite Christmas film is The Snowman. And the reason for that is because it's just a Christmas tradition. Every Christmas Eve, it's normally on the television somewhere, but I have got it on a DVD. I always try to make sure that I watch The Snowman on Christmas Eve. And it just takes me back to being a child growing up in the 80s, which obviously was when it was first out. And I don't know, I just think there's something timeless and charming about it. And it still kind of makes me cry as well whenever I see it. And it just makes me think back to watching it normally, you know, with my, my nan around and uh, my parents. Always seemed to be on Christmas Eve when we used to maybe have relatives popping in, uh, finishing packing up Christmas presents, that sort of thing. For me, there are a few things that I always think there are traditions I have to have at Christmas. One of them is watching The Snowman on Christmas Eve. The other is a very weird tradition where we have beef sandwiches on Christmas morning. And I don't eat red meat at the rest for the rest of the year, but I do make an exception that my I still make my mum um, make, well, usually Christmas Eve and then Christmas morning we have beef sandwiches because that's what I used to have when I was a child. So yeah, and of course, there's been spin-offs from The Snowman. There was The Snowman and The Snow Dog a few years ago, which I yes. also, that actually makes me cry more, I think. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's just a beautiful film. The one thing about it that you'll probably know this is that, of course, the very famous song from it, Walking in the Air, we all mm-hmm. associate with Alid Jones, don't we? But of course, yes, he yeah. isn't the person that sings Walking in the Air in the film. It's a young, it was a, well, a young man at the time, Peter Orty. And my understanding is the story goes that his voice broke by the time they were then going to be maybe releasing the song commercially. So they had to get it re-recorded and young Alan Jones steps forward. And so everybody has associated Alan Jones, who I have nothing against personally, with the snowman and walking in the air. But it wasn't him that sang it on the film. For years and years and years, people have always thought that it was, and it wasn't. So whenever I talk about The Snowman, I have to make the point. It was Peter Orty that sang it, <laughs> not Alid Jones. 
So there we go. My little well, rant. Um, but anyway, it's one of my no, favourite Christmas films No, I didn't films know ever. that. So, uh, mm. yeah, I, I'd always linked it to uh, Ali Jones. So, yeah, he had a big uh, well, hit with it and he's had a very, did, you know, he's very, very well known, isn't he? But yeah, young. I mean, Peter Orty, I believe, is still with us. I did look him up on the internet once just to see what sort of happened to him afterwards. But uh, alas, because his voice broke, he didn't get to sing it when it was a record. And therefore, we've it's on all the Christmas compilation albums, isn't it? And it's the Ali Jones version but that's not who was featured in those credits at the end of The Snowman from the original, from the 1980s film. Wow. So on your DVD version that you've got of the film, mm-hmm. is that the one with the David Bowie intro? I think it is. I certainly know every time you see it on the television, they generally usually have the David Bowie intro and where he's meant, I think he's meant to be the little boy, isn't he? Um, yes, picking yeah. up his his scarf. Yes. And, oh, yeah, and that just makes it, because we know, lost David Bowie a few years ago. That makes it even more poignant when I watch it now and I see, you know, it was for an anniversary special, I think, wasn't it? I can't remember which anniversary it was for when they got David Bowie to do the intro to it. But again, it just makes me feel very nostalgic and it just takes me right back to my childhood. The film connection with Alec Jones in another direction is his daughter, uh, Amelia Jones, is now an up-and-coming actress. Uh, she's just oh. done a series called Lock and Key, mm-hmm. which is a, a sort of a horror uh, story. I think it's on Prime, on streaming. It's oh, right. very, very good. And she's brilliant. And I, I didn't realise it was her because she's got such a great American accent in it. She does it really well. Ah, you didn't know. Mm. Go further so, with a Welsh accent. I'm just thinking of other films that I really enjoyed, certainly when I was a child watching. Miracle on 34th Street, of which I know there, there's been more than one version of this film. But the version I'm talking about is from 1994, I think. And it's the one with Richard yep. Attenborough and uh, Mara Wilson, who, of course, was in Matilda. That's what I also remember uh, seeing her from. And I remember seeing this one at the cinema. I went with a, a, a couple of school friends, I think possibly my parents as well, because I would have been, well, maybe 12 or 13. So I only just started secondary school. It was always a treat. Where I grew up near Gloucester was to go to uh, what was the Peel Centre, where the big cinema was, and to go to the cinema every now and again. And then usually it would be followed by a little trip around Toys R Us. And when I was a bit younger than that, I would go and pick up things from my Barbie dream house. And uh, and then I would go to Burger King and it was always a treat to have a Burger King. Other, you know, places to have burgers, et cetera, are available. But yes, it was, it was it was always a treat to do that. And so, yeah, going to the cinema and that little, it was a whole day outing when you went to the cinema back then. Um, but this was, must have been one in the Christmas holidays. We went to see it. Again, it's another charming film. Um, Richard Attenborough, obviously late Richard Attenborough, who I did once get to speak to on the telephone. I didn't interview him, but I did speak to him on the telephone many, many years ago when I worked at a radio station in Bristol, putting him through for an interview. And he was very, very, very pleasant. Um, so yeah, that's another one that I just, I haven't seen it for a long time, actually, but it's another film. At Christmas time, you want something that makes you feel cosy and and good, don't you? Which is why you won't find something like Die Hard on my list of all time Christmas movies. <laughs> I mean, there is, I've done Christmas specials of Joe Durant's Beautiful Universe, my show about, you know, whether it's a Christmas movie, whether it isn't. Um, you know, I've, I'm doing another Christmas special this year where I have no doubt that will come up as to whether it is or it isn't a, a Christmas movie. No, and I'm not a huge fan of Home Alone either. Either. I don't. I know it's set at Christmas time, and I like the music from it actually. But I'm not a huge fan of the film itself. But yeah, Miracle on 34th Street—that's another one that I I quite like. The- I see a fascinating connection, though, Joe. You've mentioned two films where you associate with red meat. Red meat. What's the other? What, how have I associated that Beef? with red meat? Burger King. Oh, Burger. Oh, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I, there's obviously a reason now why, you know, I, I generally just eat corn. <laughs> I don't 
any red meat. <laughs> I wonder if my next one, I don't think my next one has any connection to meat that I can remember. My next one is um, the Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, now, don't say pork. No, no. I, I do quite like pork, uh, but, you know, but no. Um, and yeah, I've seen different versions of A Christmas Carol. I remember when I was, again, very young, the same time I would have been watching The Snowman, I think there was a cartoon type version or an animated version of A Christmas Carol, not the Muppet one. Yeah. It was earlier than that. And I can't remember much more than that about it. But I remember it really upset me because it's quite traumatic in places, isn't it, really? You know, what, yes. especially the ghost of Christmas future. But the Muppet one, I just never tire of seeing this one. Um, I, you know, I grew up, you know, as a child of the 80s, you know, watching the Muppets. That's something, you know, I think we all did. But, you know, Kermit the Frog, he's Bob Cratchit, isn't he? And then little tiny Tim and oh, Miss, of course, Miss Piggy, she's, she's Mrs. Cratchit. Oh, so Scrooge, Scrooge is Michael Caine, isn't he? I'm thinking. Yes. yes, yes. Yeah. And it's just brilliant how it's all done. I mean, you know, you know, obviously a mixture of, of the, the Muppets and the, um, you know, real human actors. And I don't think it's really dated, actually. I think it's quite timeless. So, um, again, it, it does have a happy ending. And uh, it, I have read the book, the, the original Dickens book. But, yeah, there's something about A Christmas Carol, that sort of redemptive element of, of Christmas and that sort of thing that I do quite like. Definitely one that I would, would never tire of watching at Christmas time. And another one I enjoyed watching, only saw this a few years ago, probably just on the television, was The Polar Express. Now, you'll probably yeah. able to tell me a bit more about this because I remember the way it was filmed. It was quite different, wasn't it, in terms of the technology that they used to, to create. It wasn't exactly animation from my memory, but you might be able to sort of correct me there because I remember there was something quite special about the look of it. Yeah, it was a technique that they were perfecting called rotoscope where they used real live actors and then animated them into so you could expand on the characterizations by physical appearance. Tom Hanks played a number of different roles in the film, and Polar Express came along early in the, the rotoscope experiment, particularly that director Robert Zemeckis did. He, mm. And one of the problems they had at that stage was a technique called dead eyes, that if mm. you look at the characters, the eyes didn't seem to be alive. It was almost mm. like zombies. Whereas mm. by the time he got to make in A Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey a few years later they perfected that to the point that it really worked. It made it more lifelike and it brought you into the film a lot more. I'm with you. I think Polar Express has a real charm. Ian, it's quite underrated, I think. It's not a film you don't don't really see or hear it talked about. I think it's got a lovely song. I'm sure it's the, this is the film. If I'm, I might be wrong, but I feel like there's the song by Sarah McLaughlin called all on a winter's night or am i thinking of yes. another film is it that yeah oh, it no, is in that yeah. one isn't it yeah. yeah and that's a lovely a lovely song there's something about trains and snow that sort of go together at christmas again it's that sort of cozy feeling i think that i get but yeah it is a really charming film so and one i haven't seen for a few years so i do enjoy that one now there is a film that a friend of mine my good friend rachel absolutely loves because she loves everything about Christmas. If she could have Christmas all year round, I think she probably would. I'm the sort of person, a bit like guests I've had on my podcast in the past who have said, you know, Christmas starts third week of December and not before. And I'm certainly of the opinion that Christmas shouldn't start until the 1st of December. I don't really want to hear Christmas music in September and see mince pies in shops. And I don't think that makes me a Scrooge. You know, every no, no, no. every festival no, has its season and Christmas yeah. does not start in September, October or November. It is in December. From the 1st of December, that's fine. You can have your Christmas music on and, you know, my all-time favourite Christmas song, not that I know if it's been used in a film or not, is A Space Man Came Travelling by Christopher Burr for 
obvious reasons, love anything to do with space and just a beautiful Mm. song. So there is a film that my friend Rachel loves to watch and that's Love Actually. And I remember seeing it many, many years ago and I didn't mind it, but I've seen it more recently. And it it is a Christmassy film. I think, you know, I can understand, you know, why it classes a Christmas film. But I've got a few issues with it. And it's it's awkward because I have interviewed the lovely Richard Curtis and his partner Emma Freud on a couple of occasions at the Chapman Literature Festival for, for my day job. And they're lovely people. So I never would say to Richard Curtis that I don't love Love Actually because I, you know, I like for weddings and a funeral and I love Notting Hill. You know, I'll wax lyrical about that with him. But I've never really brought, brought up the subject of Love Actually because the premise of it, of having lots of different stories all interweaving actually is something I quite like. You know, one of the things I like in films Mm. is where there are connections. I love finding connections in films. Oh, that links to that and that links to that. And another thing I've spoken to you about before on my podcast is my love of of time travel and parallel universes and that sort of thing. So I love the premise of it, but I don't love the execution of it. And I don't think it's because there's too many stories. I don't, that's not really an issue for me. I think actually the way they weave together is quite clever it's just some of the stories are more believable than others. So for me, the character that Martin McCutcheon plays as somebody that works alongside Hugh Grant's character, who's meant to be the prime minister and this relationship they have just doesn't seem very believable. Now, whether that's because it's effectively, I think when I interviewed Richard Curtis, I think he said it was, you know, he was sort of working on a, a couple of different films and a couple of different stories. The, the character that Colin Firth plays, I think his that storyline was maybe going to be a film. And maybe if they'd been in their own individual films, there would have been a bit more time to see the character's relationship develop. But the, that particular element of it, the the Martin McCutcheon, Hugh Grant storyline, I just don't really find that believable. And I find it quite hard to invest in them as characters, unfortunately. And because they're in it quite a lot, that's where I have an issue. However, the character that Emma Thompson plays, and there are some really quite heartbreaking scenes with her and uh, the late Alan Rickman, I think are, are, are stunning. So there are parts of it that I do really enjoy. There are parts of it I don't. And for that reason, I can't sort of sit hand on heart and say I enjoy watching it at Christmas because I don't. But that's okay because, you know, there are plenty of other films that I can watch at Christmas. But I think you're probably in a similar, I know there are a few people actually who have a similar view to me about love. Actually, it seems to be a bit of a Marmite kind of film from what mm, I can gather. Yeah. Our fellow podcaster, Phil, is a hater of this film. He believes it's a blueprint for stalking in terms of the Andrew Lincoln, Kira Knightley story. Personally, I quite like it. I haven't seen it for a number of years. I'm going to go back and watch it this year for no other reason other than to annoy Phil. Um, <laughs> but Bill Nighy's story always made me laugh. I remember that. So, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give that another go. Each I can tell own. you interesting about the Bill Nye character actually I do remember this from an interview I did do with Richard Curtis one thing I did did sort of a, a little bit of information I did get out of him in this interview when I was chatting to him and him and um, Emma Freud at the literature festival a few years ago is that she said actually Richard said the one thing you you weren't really sure about was Bill Nye wasn't it and he said the only thing I was determined was that Bill Nye was not going to be in the film I didn't care for his work and he was not going to be in the film as far as I was concerned but he came in wow. he did a read through and blew them away and they offered him the part pretty much there and then I think so you know just to show I guess you know you've, what your your perception of somebody might be could be changed but yes if originally Richard Curtis did not anticipate Bill Nye being in the uh, in the film because he hadn't particularly liked the work that he'd done so there you go there's a little bit of gossip for you well that's fantastic because I, I saw Richard Curtis that must be at the same literature festival and he confirmed the story in uh, that he didn't want Hugh Grant playing him in Four Weddings and a Funeral. 
Uh-huh. So, uh, he said he, he was the wrong sort of performer. He, it wasn't going to work. And, of course, again, it blew everybody away. So yeah. I think Richard Curtis makes really good films, but should let other people choose the casting. <laughs> <laughs> Joe, thank you very much for that. And all that remains to be said is have a happy Christmas and a far better New Year than we've had for 2020. <laughs> <laughs> and happy yeah. Christmas. And, yeah, wishing you all the best for the New Year as well. Thanks, thank Joe. you. Let's turn to our next guest, Elijah. Hi, Elijah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I think exhausted, but, but okay. <laughs> Aren't we all? 2020. There'll be one Christmas we'll celebrate because it's near the end of the year. I'm okay with just taking out that last week, maybe Christmas <laughs> and New Year's the same day. Get it over with. Yeah, yeah. And, and many people will agree with you. Uh, you know what I'm worried about is waking up the next day and my phone still saying it's January 1st, 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grand old year. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> be so cruel, wouldn't it? Yeah. Oh. I'm sorry. I've had enough of Pennsylvania seeming to be the same day <laughs> this year. I really don't want to do Groundhog Day anymore. And Nevada. <laughs> yeah. Before we go on and talk about Christmas films, you've spent a number of years all over the world so i've got to ask you where's the most unusual place you've spent christmas most unusual place i've spent christmas was haiti it was incredibly hot i mean the weirdest place i've spent new year's is iceland that was an accident right okay i've I've got to ask now how how can you end up in iceland by accident unless you're playing risk (laughs) (laughs) well we were headed towards greenland and and uh got the wrong one (laughs) it looks so similar no we were supposed to go to belgium and just take a you know an hour stop in iceland and then head on over and our flight got changed to three days before the flight to belgium so we were kind of stuck in iceland for three days stuck in (laughs) with three kids it can't be that though right three my son was my my two-year-old now was eight months a year eight months old then yeah no 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 with kids no it was fantastic. We were in this little tiny Mazda car that we didn't fit in. And I don't know how I got all of our luggage in that vehicle and our bodies, but somehow it worked. The people in Iceland know how to shoot off fireworks. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. I mean, they lit up the sky with them for an hour before and an hour afterwards. They are an, an amazing people. Yeah. Given all these different places where you spent Christmas, New Year, are there any Christmas traditions that you keep as a family? Usually when we'd celebrate Christmas growing up, we'd stay in, in, in our house usually for about a year, give or take. Once in my life, we stayed in the house for almost three years. That was Haiti. So we actually got to spend Christmas a couple times there. Once we had to leave Haiti during an election season and hightail it over to the U.S. because they were burning stuff and people were getting killed and whatnot. So that was fun. Do you remember the days when elections took place and nobody took any notice of them? (laughs) I I look back with a former nostalgia on that. So turn into the world of cinema where it always snows on Christmas. What are the ingredients, Lodger, you would say make up a great Christmas film before we look at some of your classic Christmas films? I feel like Christmas films always need kind of a hint of melancholy in them. They can't be overly joyful. And they can't be Hallmark because Hallmark sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no argument. I, I always watch at least one Hallmark film every year. I recommend one good Hallmark film to you. 
It's called The Man Who Saved Christmas, a true story about a toy manufacturer who during World War One, the government tried to get him to change his toy factory to produce munitions. And it's really good, really good film. Okay, was this done back in like the 80s or 90s? I think the end of the 90s. Okay, because there was a time during the decade of the 90s where Hallmark actually made some really good films. No. And then it became no. the cottage crap that you have now. I mean, yeah. you have um, Glenn Close and... Uh, Glenn Close, Christopher Walken. Yeah. Oh, I would watch that. Yeah, it came out in 91. That's what it was. So yeah, in the in the early 90s. It did, Yeah, 1991, you're right. Yeah, really, really good, actually. It's got James Redhorn in it as well. I would watch that. Neil's going to put me down saying I'd watch anything. So Yeah, uh, you watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Hallmark is definitely today is not on the schedule for a good Christmas film. Bit of melancholy. Anything else? A bit of melancholy, a little bit of darkness. Because, I mean, Christmas is, you know, a season of light, quite literally. Even the season around for the for the Jews, Hanukkah is the Festival of Lights. But you have to have that darkness in for the light to actually make an impact. Yes. So you get something like uh, A Christmas Carol. It's an incredibly dark story. But by the time you reach the end of it, it's so triumphant that you you forget how how dark it was because now you've reached this point of transcendent light. 100% agree. It is my favorite story of all time. So, uh, and, And you're right. It shows the best and worst of humanity. Well, I think we're in total agreement on this. So I'm now fascinated by what you're going to say is some of your favorite Christmas films. Uh, I don't think you'll be surprised that one of them is definitely It's a Wonderful Life. Ah, Yes. Yeah. It is so good. I I watched um, Citizen Kane earlier this year, and I was uh, kind of shocked to see how similar while coming to completely different ends. You know, in Citizen Kane, you get to see this guy's life in via flashbacks and how he was set up for for success almost from the very beginning and he just destroyed himself and everyone around him and then you know you see um bailey in um it's a wonderful life and he just encounters tragedy after tragedy and just keeps doing this the the thing that he feels is right every time and he thinks his life has made no difference only to find that every little thing that he did has made a massive difference on his town, everyone and everything that matters to him. Absolutely agree. And and one of the fascinating things about It's a Wonderful Life is the villain isn't punished. No. Potter gets away with the stolen money, and he still there as a force of evil like a malignant spider in a giant web at the very end of the film. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen a film that's now <laughs> 70 plus years old. Uh, <laughs> Now but you it, say it. Yeah, but the the other thing that intrigues me on it now, and I think we'll we'll take on a different meaning this year, is remember the chemist, and the chemist gives out the false medicine because his son's died, and his son has died of influenza, and that actually is the Spanish flu yeah. that he died of. Wow. Yeah. Yes, there's another relevance to it this year. It is one of the greats. I'm sure we'll feature somewhere in our advent calendar this year. Yeah. And of course, Jimmy Stewart is amazing in it. Yeah, and he just come back from uh, a spell in World War Two, where he refused to take an easy route. He was actually on a plane on Bomber Command. And it seemed like his films definitely took a turn after that. They did. Well, what can I say? Nobody could argue with that choice. Nope. What else is in there? 
Well, this is one that I'm sure none of you guys know. It's uh, VeggieTales, the toy that saved Christmas. What? <laughs> okay, do you guys know what VeggieTales is? No. Okay. <laughs> it was a, a, a CGI cartoon series of uh, films that came out back in the 90s. And it's a bunch of talking vegetables. Uh, okay. They're, they're, they were done by Christians. And so they all have a Christian message. And it usually started out, you know, like a show. So you get the Larry the Cucumber and Bob the Tomato are on a countertop. And they get a letter from somebody and they read it. And then they have the film that's supposed to address the the issue. And then at the end, they have a, a little verse that, that corresponds with the story you just watched. Sometimes they were original, sometimes they were remakes, sometimes they were spoofs. They did a spoof of Lord of the Rings. It was spectacular. They came out with this one. It didn't start out on the countertop, so it's just kind of a standalone film. And this evil businessman is creating a toy that everyone wants. And so all the kids in the village are crying because all they want is this Buzzsaw Louie toy. It's a little uh, doll that has a buzzsaw in his hand. <laughs> okay, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, here we go. <laughs> and so one of these toys becomes uh, sentient. It, hijinks ensue, it's fantastic. They had a segment in the middle of each film called Silly Songs with Larry. And it's where Larry the Cucumber comes in and sings a silly song. And it was where I first learned to hate the IRS. <laughs> so it's the song is called oh santa and it has the the cucumber character just sitting there with cookies and he sings a song about having cookies for santa a bank robber comes in and he decides to share a cookie with him and then a viking comes in and he shares a cookie with him and then a, a member of the irs shows up and knocks on the door and the moment he says he's from the irs he slams the door in his face <laughs> I'm just reading about it now, and it's getting it gets rave reviews. This is something I would watch. Uh, <laughs> it is really, really fun. Honestly, you read up on this. This it does look really good. Do you think this is influenced by Toy Story? I don't know. It's around that same time. Toy Story was ninety five. This was ninety six. Yeah. Well, they uh, their first film came out in ninety three. Right. Okay. The year I was born. So that was that was a while ago. For me, wow. not so long ago for you guys. I mean, yeah, uh, I had dinosaurs you. as pets in your childhood. Thank so. Yeah, Thank yeah. Thanks, Tony. Happy, happy Christmas. Okay, you've thrown us a curveball there. I'm going to go off to see if I can find out. It might be on YouTube. There, I know a few of the episodes yeah. are. Yeah, I'm going to have a look at that. I did not expect that. Any others in your bag of Christmas goodies there? Of course, I love the Polar Express. As weird as it is to see the almost human characters, the film has that element of magic to it. And the darkness, the kind of scary sense that is transformed at the end. I think the message is dumb. It's a particular film. Yeah, the eyes are the issue with it, don't they? Because they couldn't... Yeah. When they did the rotoscope in for this, they didn't quite get the eyes right, which they did get right when they did A Christmas Carol. A few Mars years. Needs Moms. Oh, wait, sorry. <laughs> it is spectacular it is expansive in the way it tells its story i think it's a great film also alan silvestri's score yes mm. now that one is that's just like i listen to that if i want to get in the mood for christmas it is so so gorgeous so wonderful yes and there's a lot more of that score to be released everybody keeps hoping that this year will be the year when the full score comes out so no, good luck with that in 2020 well, 
we've had a few surprises on scores recently, so I have yeah. my fingers crossed. I mean, we're going to get Junkie XL score for the Zack Snyder's uh, Justice League, so. Yeah, yeah, we might get that. Well, next year at some point. Okay, Elijah, is there one more left in the bottom of that Christmas sack? Well, I mean, the first two Home Alone films are fantastic. Oh, yes. But I, I really, really enjoy Zemeckis' Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey as Scrooge. Yeah, I enjoyed that one. I loved the first half. <laughs> it is the funny thing is that film came out the same year I think as Tintin, or maybe Tintin came out a little bit after that. But like you see the difference in the animations to the face, even though the animation for the the locate the all the uh, scenery is stunning, the people just they never quite looked right in any of Zemeckis's films. And then Tintin, you know, came in and it still looks gorgeous today. I mean, that's the power of Will Digital and um, Peter Jackson, but. It's still a stunning film. And uh, I think Jim Carrey as Scrooge is, was an inspired choice. Yeah, all of that is great. And the first half where covers the, you know, the boss illustrations. And that moment where Marley turns up is incredible. And, and for me, the highlight of the film, I think, and it's only something you can do in animation, is when he says to the ghost of Christmas present, who are those two children clinging to your legs and you see the two children grow up to become you know the vices that uh, the ghost had said they would be and i thought that was brilliant that was inspired so i think you've got some uh, real christmas crackers there and of course the peanuts christmas film fantastic Ooh, <laughs> peanuts christmas. good grief and indeed actually you made a point the other day on one of your tweets which i thought was really good so the Snoopy film came out the same year as the first of the three Star Wars trilogy films. The Force right. Awakens. But yeah, yeah, The Force Awakens and probably went back to sleep again. And um, <laughs> that came out and Snoopy came out. Both those films came out for that Christmas. And I got more of a nostalgic kick out of watching the Snoopy film than watching J.J. Abraham's rehashed Star Wars. Mm-hmm. They did so well in capturing the feel, not only of the um, of the comic strip, but also the uh, films that had come before. Mm. Yeah. You know, they got the kids to do voices like they'd done for all the other movies. They got the POV of the camera, you know, you know following just like it would in, the, in a comic panel. They had the, the depth of the characters in it and, the, you know, the shallowness of them as well. It was great because I know that Charles Schultz said that nobody could ever write any more strips after he died thank uh, god but uh, they couldn't but that didn't apply to the the movies and tv so mm-hmm. uh, yeah so if ever you see a, a peanut strip it will be one that schultz wrote yeah yeah i contrasted that one with the film that came out this year uh scoob you know about scooby-doo attempting to give background to these characters that we don't need is completely meaningless. You just all they should have done is done exactly what they did with Peanuts and given us an adventure with the characters that we already know, without trying to develop them in a way that was that wasn't done before. There was no need to have a a conflict of relationship between Shaggy and Scooby Doo. 
Really? I, some kind I really of can't believe we're discussing this. It was, my kids have been watching it nonstop. That is why we're discussing and, uh, this. Oh, I see. <laughs> God damn. Bloody kids. <laughs> Just let me rant for God's sake. That leads me on to my final question. Is there, is there a film, Elijah, you're going to be showing to your children for the first time this Christmas? You know what? I don't know. We watched Polar Express last year. I mean, every year they're kind of discovering them new. They didn't really pay attention. My daughter will probably will probably remember. My sons won't. So it'll be like discovering it brand new. They love the Peanuts movie. They watched it about five times, which I'm okay with. You know, we watched the Peanuts Halloween here recently, and we'll watch the Peanuts Thanksgiving and then the Peanuts Christmas. And we'll probably watch Home Alone with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really look forward to, you know, dying because one of my kids put marbles on the stairs. <laughs> when I'm going down at 6 a.m. Thank you very much and very happy Christmas or happy holidays to you and your family. Absolutely. And you guys as well. Yeah. Thank and you, Elijah. Like this will be a happy Christmas. Hello and welcome to the next in our Vox Pops on Christmas Films. Now we're joined by Rich from Syndemic Nerds Podcast. Great podcast. If you haven't listened to it, check out the latest episode. And we're going to talk more Christmas films. So Rich, I understand you have a film watching tradition every Christmas Eve in your house. Could you tell our listeners what it is, please? We do. I've been going for longer than I can remember. Without fail, we, we watch it in the same order, do the same sort of thing. Firstly, we watch It's a Wonderful Life. This starts Christmas Eve afternoon, yeah? Yeah. Christmas Eve afternoon, right. settle down, get some snacks in as well. And we start watching uh, Yeah, It's a Wonderful Life with uh, James Stewart. That's a good start. In fact, that's a high watermark there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's a great film. It's not overly Christmassy when you look at it on the whole. It's a great story, you know, about a man who's like hard on his luck and then he realises how great his life actually is. So it's good morals to it. Any dry eyes after that screening? It takes a lot for me to cry at films. I'm a bit of a hard ass when it comes to that. But um, right. yeah, it, um, it is an emotional and yeah, it's not just one of my favourite Christmas films. It's one of my favourite films altogether, to be honest. I just, I just love it. What do you do? Do you go straight into the next one? Or do you then take a break to the next film? Depends if any families come and crashed in on us and interrupted our viewing, to be honest. But um, <laughs> I'm selfish. <laughs> probably a little break in between, get some more snacks in and a bit of drink. And then we start watching uh, the Albert Finney version of Scrooge. Oh, excellent. That, yeah. I've actually added that to my um, Christmas watch list this year. I haven't seen it in years. Love it. Yeah, every year without fail is the last film we watch. Again, I don't know where that tradition came from. We just, we think he's a great actor or he was a great actor. I still feel like it's a little known one to, especially people from my generation as well. It's not one of their go-to versions of Christmas Carol when for me, it's definitely my favourite. The the fascinating fact about that film is it's a musical and the music has never been issued from LP uh, that's vinyl, Rich. It's an old thing. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and um, it's it's never been issued on CD or on download. You can't get that soundtrack. You're telling me. Every year we sort of take a look in the hope that it's going to turn up. 
Yeah, and it never does, so it's most disappointing. I'm still stunned that you can't get the damn thing. There's hope. And every year I follow a film music chat thing. Every year, and it's already started. Is it coming out this year? So if it does, I will let you know. Please do. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> For us, Christmas it's more about Christmas Eve than Christmas Day in our family. Like We make a really big thing out of Christmas Eve because we love the build-up personally christmas morning is quite good and then it's kind of a little bit of an anti-climax after that probably sounds like we hate our family we don't but um <laughs> yeah i just I've, we've always enjoyed the build-up to it and just the festive period itself rather than uh christmas day to be honest i think this is an absolutely um brilliant tradition so um you've, you're into the evening now is there another one there's not no I'm afraid. Like, yeah, we have to. <laughs> just, just, so those two. Yeah, yeah, we have to. We stick with, um, yeah, wonderful life, and then Scrooge. That's the running order in but, our house. <laughs> to be fair, that's four hours worth. Yeah, there. it kind of does. Uh, yeah, time flies as well. So, even like I said, sometimes you get the rude interruption from uh, family. I mean, that's probably not going to happen this year. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, I mean, a... well, exactly. Yeah, who knows what johnson's planning not even johnson probably (laughs) um so here's a tough question for you right if this christmas eve you could change one of those two films which one would you change and what would you change it to oh that is tough (laughs) right so straight off the top of my head i'd still stick with scrooge because i think wonderful life as a film is probably the better film but for traditional reasons, I'd stick with Scrooge still and take out Wonderful Life. Just because I think for some reason that one's lasted a lot longer on Christmas Eve and then Wonderful Life kind of came in a bit later for some reason. And if I had to swap it, again, for nostalgia, I'm going to go Muppets Christmas Carol. Whee! Absolutely. Great. So So basically... (laughs) Two screws. Yeah, yeah, I did, you're gonna I did o- realize that. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're gonna overdose on Scrooge like yeah. the next day you'd overdose on turkey. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're vegetarian, I don't know, Rich. I just No, uh... I'm not a veggie. Oh, that's all right then. <laughs> that was a bit of a worrying moment there. <laughs> um Jeff. <laughs> To all our vegetarian listeners, we would They're like to disassociate ourselves with the last one. <laughs> it's like disassociate ourselves with Jeff and Harley. <laughs> yeah, you carry on. There's more bacon for me. And, um, yeah, no, no. It, yeah, that's, that's an interesting choice. And another musical as well. Yeah. Um, again, like I watched it a lot when I was a kid, and I've got a little bit of a story for that one as well. Yeah. Every time we watch it, it always gets brought up that I – it was my favourite VHS, and um, I was probably about one or two. I used to watch it way past Christmas into, like, summer months just because I was obsessed with it. So, <laughs> yeah, the video, I'm surprised it still worked. I think it was worn out by the end. Neil's like that with the hills have eyes. Um... Oh, yeah. No, I am not. I'd just like to pick up on both those films then. If you had to pick a favourite song from both those films, what would you pick? Oh, here comes yeah. Mr. Humbug. Uh, that's here that is a that's a great one. Um, <laughs> I apologise to our listeners for that. I think um, 
uh, with a thankful heart, like at the end of Muppets Christmas Carol's yeah. quite a, yeah. it's a good, it's a feel good one, you know, because he's such a villain at the start, and then he's come good and you know realised the error of his ways, and so yeah, that's quite a feel good one in that. And then in Scrooge, nineteen seventy, um, probably I hate people because I feel like that one quite a lot at the moment. <laughs> nah, um, <laughs> again, uh, lockdown, so hasn't, sh- lockdown hasn't got you then, Rich, is it? <laughs> It's um, a social distancing theme tune, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah there's, there's some really good songs in that film. Again, the finale, that's a great song again. It's just, And it's really funny as well. Like, he's so serious at the start, and then he's acting like sort of, you know, a bit of a clown, isn't he, when he's with all of the townsfolk. But there's not really a bad song in either of them, if I'm honest. No, I would agree with you. I think songs like December the 25th and Happiness in Scrooge is great. Yeah, I love, I love and, those. Um, yeah, what was that one about the sleeps in Muppet Christmas Carol? Um, one more sleep till Christmas. One more sleep yeah. till Christmas. Yeah. 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 yeah, Neil's already on those now. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> I wonder if I was going to get a reaction. But, no, yeah. no, no, I'm just but ignoring you. Yeah. yeah, that is a great tradition. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something I might even copy this year. I've yeah. copyrighted it. I'm afraid. I've yeah. been. <laughs> well, I am going to take as a theme song, though. My I hate people. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's great. Well, Rich, thank, thank you, you very much for joining us and no uh, sharing those uh, memories and that tradition with Anytime. us. Anytime. Thanks for Look having forward. me. Cheers. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. There you have it. Three very different opinions on Christmas films and Christmas film watching. Join us tomorrow as we talk to some more special guests about their love of Christmas movies. And be warned, some of these guests have very strong opinions. <laughs>